It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. When you purchase a set of Napa brake pads and rotors, you get a discount code from Fanatics.com worth up to $50 towards your favorite sports gear. While Napa can't help your team reach the promised land, we can help make sure your car will because these brakes come with something no sports team does. Guaranteed performance. Great brakes, great price, great fan gear. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Offer expires September 30th, 2017. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a special edition of the Locked On Bengals and Locked On Steelers podcast on a Thursday. I'm James Erpine, along with John Ledyard. It's a crossover edition. It's Steelers and Bengals week for the respective fan bases. John, quick question, and, and, and this is fun, and these crossovers are always fun. You consider this a rivalry, right? Oh, my goodness, yeah. How okay. can you not, man? I mean, this is, uh, I think, one of the fun aspects of this, and even though the Steelers have had a lot of success in the series uh, between the two teams of late, um, I just think the rivalry part of it is the edginess. And, like, to every play, you're on the edge of your seat. Who's going to take a shot at who? Who's going to get in a scrap with who? I mean, it's every time these teams play, the emotions are heightened. You know, there's always some altercation that needs to be broken out. There's always a couple flags for something after the play. You know, to me, I know everybody all caught up these days with, oh, you know, it's dirty, it's this, it's that. It's crying about every big hit and everything. I love those types. To me, this is like old-school vintage football still between these two teams. And I know the scoreboard aspect of it has been a little bit one-sided lately, but I still think when the Bengals and Steelers play, it doesn't like. I just think it's a knockdown, dragout brawl type of game. And for me, as a football fan that loves the physicality of the game, and partially as a coach too, coach of high school football, I love to see the the physical battles that take place in this matchup. Yeah, I agree. I, I saw the reason I ask you that is because I saw on Twitter a, a bunch of fans going back and forth uh, because the Steelers have dominated recently. There's no doubt mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's the big brother in this rivalry. But they use that as a way to dismiss the Bengals. And I'm like, well, I get it, but it is a rivalry. I mean, the two teams hate each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and that's a big part of it. You know, I think if you go, Bengals fans hate Mike Mitchell. Steelers fans and, and pretty much every, well, pretty much everybody hates Mike Mitchell and pretty much everyone hates Fontes Perfect. And yep. so there's two players for you right there. Bengals fans also hate Ryan Chazier. And, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, you go back and forth. I think Bengals fans hate Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Steelers fans say, I think Pac-Man Jones is a thug, and you know you go back and forth, and that's all you know. You got that on both sides of the roster, and so yeah, there's that to me is if, if you can distance yourself from the getting caught up in all the emotions and the arguments about those players, and just view it as a football fan, you know that stuff all makes it really a fun part of the matchup to me. Yeah, in one you mentioned Mike Mitchell and Vontez Perfect, and I think everyone uh, the nation saw Mike Mitchell's hit on Alex Smith and. You know, I thought it was late. I thought it was dirty. But people have their opinions. I will say this: I think Burfick's dirty too. I, I think any fan in in this 
in this series could look at perfect, could look at Mitchell. And even if you're a Steelers fan, it's obvious Mitchell's dirty in my mind. If you're a Bengals fan, it's obvious that Burfick's dirty. What's your opinion on those two? Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, I think if you look at Mitchell's history, I think that most of his penalties have come and most of his plays where people will be like, wow, that's uncalled for, have been stuff that's been um, you know, kind of in the heat of like a moment, like a bang-bang play, like you know, he catches somebody high with a shoulder helmet. I have a hard time, even when Burfick does those kind of things, I have a hard time labeling those types of plays as dirty just because I think that in the heat of the moment, you know, having having played some football and been out there a little bit, and I think that's really hard to think through those things mid-play. The stuff that I think is what, what I classify as dirty, and I maybe have a different definition than everybody else, and maybe that's just how I view it, but the stuff I classify as dirty is the stuff that would happen after or away from a play clearly. Like, Burfick's hit on it and Le'Veon Bell years ago, there's nothing, that wasn't a dirty hit. You know, it's a yeah. low shot, sure, but I mean, Agree football, that. that happens, you know. Burfick's done a ton of dirty things, and, you know, I think of him diving at Martellus Bennett, Bennett's knees or whatever, I think that was last year. You know, he's done some dirty things before, for sure. I think he's definitely a dirty football player. Uh, I think he's been a danger, and that's why he's been suspended before. I think most of Mike Mitchell's things have been things that have, and everything that really comes to mind has been, things that happen, boom, boom, in the heat of the play, until that Alex Smith play the other day. That, to me, is the only Mike Mitchell play that I can think of. And maybe you think of another one. Um, I know some Chiefs fans thought he twisted Turkandrick West's ankle years ago, but I've, I've never seen a replay review that showed anything of him twisting his leg. Like, he was holding his leg, but I never see anything beyond that. And, and they also flipped out that Artie Burns twisted Tyree Kill's arm or something like that. And <laughs> some of Chiefs fans are even like, that's stupid. That didn't. There's nothing there. But to me, that was the first time I can remember a Mike Mitchell play where it was like, okay, this isn't in the heat of the moment. Or like, this isn't in the middle of a play, like a boom-boom play. This is away from a place that's after it. And so when I first saw it, I thought, wow, like definitely a cheap shot. Like I, and I was surprised because, I, I mean, I talked to Mitchell a lot. I've, I've, heard, I've heard from him about his perception of the way people view him and how he believes he should be viewed as a player. And, you know, I do think that there were times where he targeted too high and was too physical probably and too aggressive, and I think he has changed his game. The penalties reflect that. Uh, I think he's only gotten one blow to the head in the last like four years or something like that. Um, and so he has changed a lot of what he's done. But that was the first play where I was like, yeah. That's dirty. And then seeing the All-22, I've seen other replay reviews. He clearly is pushed by Chicolo. He's clearly tripped by Chicolo. It doesn't look like he like dives into a knee um, from the other views that you can see. The broadcast view, the replay, where you're looking through a couple guys, kind of looked like the worst one. If you see it from other views, I think maybe you have a different perspective. It's just hard. It's hard to tell. And, I mean, it doesn't look like he was diving into his legs for sure. But could he have done more to avoid it? Uh, you get into, you know, a lot of picking here and there. But, I mean, I definitely – Bengals fans hate Mike Mitchell. There's no question. They think he's dirty. Vontaze is perfect. He goes back and forth. And there's a lot on both sides of this, which is part of what makes it fun. Yeah, it's exactly what makes it fun. It's exactly what's going to make it interesting. By the way – if you're betting on uh, this Sunday's Pittsburgh and, and Bengals game, make sure you check out mybookie.ag. Definitely uh, a great place. I love their mobile site, John. Have you checked out their mobile site? Yeah, yeah, their mobile site extremely well designed, just really easy to access, and the live in-game betting part of it. I, I know I've heard from a number of fans that the perks of that part of it they really, really enjoy, and uh, so I think that that's something the that folks should definitely check out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And let, let, let's dive into this because. It's so interesting to me that in the NFL's like this, and, and we're so the, the way society's set up now. <laughs> we react in the moment, and uh, careers are over. People are past their prime. Ben Roethlisberger, let, let, let's discuss him because I think two weeks ago he comes out and says, "Well, maybe I'm done." And in last Thursday, 
I, I remember st- stating on ESPN 1530 in, here in Cincinnati, and Bengals fans got so mad at me. I'm like, Pittsburgh's going to beat Kansas City on Sunday. <laughs> They're going to do it because that's what they do. Watch. And then they dominated that entire game. I, I don't really think – I watched the majority of it. I don't think the game was as close as the score indicated. What? Uh, how do you look at Pittsburgh? Because I, I see them. They're 4-2, and two, and they're playing they, – they've had some down games, but overall I think they're right where they want to be six games in, into the season heading into Sunday. Yeah, Steelers are classically slow-starting football team. I uh, have been <laughs> under Mike Tomlin for years. So the slow start isn't necessarily surprising, but they're usually like up and down. And to be honest, even though they're 4-2, they've played like the worst teams in the end. I mean, they've played <laughs> just terrible football teams so far. So, you know, you look at it two ways. You're like, you're lucky to be 4-2 having played as bad as the Steelers have played this year. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you could and you should probably be 6-0. I mean, the Steelers shouldn't be losing to Jacksonville. And they shouldn't be losing to Chicago especially the Jaguars at home. I mean, you know, I know the Jaguars are having a decent season, but you know, the Steelers are better than those teams. So, but then you could argue the way they were playing, they should have lost to Kansas city. So some of it goes both ways. Um, but I think the bottom line with Pittsburgh is, can they recognize their potential in time for the games that really matter? And I think what bodes well for them, they play every game from here on out, except for two, they play not at one o'clock. So they'll play four twenty-five, and they'll play a bunch of eight thirty games. They have four in a row at one point. Um, wow. So they're playing a ton of primetime games. Yeah. And the Steelers tend to play really, really well in primetime. Um, and they tend to be a really good second half of the season team. So I, I think that kind of regardless of what happens the next two weeks, um, you know, I, I think that the Steelers are more talented than the Bengals and more talented than the Lions. Um, but kind of regardless of what happens in those two weeks, I do expect the Steelers to have a better second half of the season when they're playing a lot of night games. And, you know, they've also gotten extremely lucky. They're not going to, it doesn't look like they're going to face Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck in the second half of their schedule in those games. So that will bode really well from they already avoided Sam Bradford when they play the Vikings and got to win there. So <laughs> some things are favorable for Pittsburgh in their schedule for sure. I think the AFC's pretty much a dumpster fire so far this season yeah. outside of Kansas City. You know New England will get it together at some point. Um, so it bodes well for Pittsburgh. The North is really bad this year. I think Pittsburgh would have to really shoot themselves in the foot, especially being 2-0 and already in the division, not to not to win that division with the talent that they have. But we've seen them mess around before, and them losing to Cincinnati wouldn't surprise me at all on Sunday uh, because even though they've had a lot of success against the Bengals, they have not been consistently a good team yet so far this season. The offense has not gotten on track. The most points they scored are 26. They've done that twice. This hasn't been a high-scoring, high-octane Steelers offensive attack. Now, they moved the ball really, really well against Kansas City. But, I mean, 17 of those points are offensive, and that's it in that last game. So they're not finishing in the red zone consistently. They're not finishing drives consistently. A lot of drives bogged down in Chiefs territory. So it's leaving them short on the scoreboard when they shouldn't be. And they were dominated most of the game against Jacksonville, let the Jaguars hang around, uh, didn't finish in the red zone several on several trips. And then there it was. They threw two pick sixes, and suddenly they were way behind in the game, and they had to get off the game plan. So I think that the Steelers have to find a way to be a better red zone team. They've been a bad red zone team, really bad red zone team this season, compared to what they should be. I think they're right around the league average. The Bengals, on the other hand, I noticed are the worst red zone offense in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. What has contributed to that? I know they had some turnovers early on in Baltimore, but what's contributed to the Bengals' woes in the red zone? Is it just Tyler Eifert being banged up? Is it poor play calling? Is it turnovers? What's been the deal there? It was an awful two-week stretch with Ken Zampezi as offensive coordinator. They they were just dread. I mean, when they lost the home or the opener twenty to nothing to Baltimore, we both know Baltimore isn't good, and they they turned the ball over five times. 
Andy had two turnovers in the red zone, an interception that was just an awful ball. Also had a fumble, five turnovers on the day. Uh, so, so that was one. And, and then the next uh, four days later, they played Houston, and they kicked three field goals. So they, they just they struggled early. Since then, they, they've averaged – since they fired Ken Zampezi the past three games, they've averaged 25 points a game and, and fared a lot better in the red zone. And, and the reason it, – it's, it's crazy. John, you're going to think this is nuts, but the new offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, he realized that, that something that Ken Zampezi couldn't in a year plus here in Cincinnati, you should throw the ball to your best players. <laughs> he's throwing. Wow. He's throwing. I know, right? It's like rocket science. AJ Green has uh, touchdowns in the past three games. Giovanni Bernard much more involved. Jeremy Hill not as involved. And uh, Joe Mixon. That's always good. <laughs> Joe Mixon, who I, I know you you watched a lot during the, the draft process. He uh, he's certainly taken the reins in the backfield, even though the running game hasn't gotten completely off the ground. And I don't think it will Sunday <laughs> because the Steelers' run defense looks really good. So I, I think it, mm-hmm. it, it boiled down to. Really, just play calling <laughs> because hey, say what you want about the offensive line, you know it. You can scheme right. around a bad offensive line when you have uh, right. a quarterback that get, can get rid of it as quick as Andy with those weapons. So things have changed. Uh, it, it'll just be interesting to see how it fares. I, I expect a low scoring game on Sunday. I don't know how uh, everyone in Pittsburgh expects, but I, I just think it's going to be a defensive, physical, just field position battle. And maybe whoever turns the ball over the most uh, is, is going to end up losing. Yeah, it's it's interesting because ordinarily I would say, you know, wow, teams with Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant and Juju <laughs> yeah. Smith-Schuster, now John Ross, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell, you know, all this talent. There's Tyler Eifert, if you were healthy, you know, all, the, all these guys, you know, you're thinking, no, this is going to be a high-scoring game. Well, you know, some of those guys banged up a little bit for sure, but neither of these offenses have played anywhere close. You know, I mean, even you know with the Bengals' improvements the last two weeks, they're still 30th in the league in points per game. Uh, the Steelers have been terrible in the red zone, as I mentioned. They have you know, struggled to score consistently. They've struggled to run the ball consistently. Uh, the Browns have struggled, to, or the Bengals have struggled to run the football as well. 29th in the league right now in rushing. Um, yeah, I think the Bengals are going to have to be aggressive through the air in this game, and how much does no, and this is the last update I heard, so maybe there's something different that came out today that I missed, but John Ross practiced a little bit, correct? He was limited the other day, I think? Limited, yes. So, w- waiting to hear today. Um, mm-hmm. I think if he's full today, he'll play, but if he's limited, I don't think he's going to play. That's just the, from a little birdie right. that told me. So, Sure. It seems like if they get him involved, and I know he's banged up in calls all the time, need all the health concerns coming out, so... To have a bunch of health concerns early on in, in your NFL career isn't ideal for sure, but um, if they seem like if they can get him out there and involved, then it, it could open things up for AJ Green, for potentially some others as well in the offense, and even without Tyler Eifert, you think this team could have more big play potential if, if John Ross is able to get on the field soon? Yeah, I, I, I've been, and actually a question because I know we talked during the draft process, but I've been a big John Ross advocate. Uh, just from what I've seen on the field, obviously injuries are one thing. I can't control that. When, when you watched him, what did you see in, in Washington? Because I'm taking a beating right now because he's not on the field. So i just just curious what, what you think of Ross. Oh, Ross, yeah. I, I thought that he was um, – I didn't think that the Bengals should have taken him as highly as they did just because they had other needs. John Ross was kind of one of those, what does your team need – And because he can fulfill a need for you. Like, I mean, he's a legit 4-2 guy. I mean, he is blazing fast. And if you have other weapons around him, you can really maximize what he offers. And the Bengals do. I mean, obviously, with with, with Viper were healthy and A.J. Green, they do have, you know, other weapons around him. But my biggest thing with the Bengals was you just have so many holes on the offensive line and you've got some holes elsewhere on defense that if you fill those holes, I think it's a better value pick. But 
you know, I had John Ross as an early second rounder, but I really liked his skill set. So I think he brings some good things to the table. The question's become, is he the most important guy you could have taken there to help your offense get better? And is Andy Dalton going and the offensive coordinator, whoever it was or whoever it is uh, at any given time, yeah. going to be able to consistently maximize what Ross brings to the table? Because he isn't a super polished route runner yet, but he is, and he has all the tools to be a really polished route runner at some points. And he's not going to win a lot of contested catches in the air. Um, he's not going to be like a big, you know, tight window throw catch guy, but he gives you legit deep speed over the plot, over the top, legit uh, deep ball ability. Um, he's very, very good at that, adjusting the ball and everything. So, yes, there's a little bit of one trick pony to him because I don't even think he was as great in space or after the catch as some other receivers in the class. But that one trick is an 80 yard touchdown or 75 yard touchdown or something <laughs> in a game. And that can be really helpful. Just the threat of that can be really helpful to an offense. So very useful player, I think, if you have a great role for him. But you could argue that there was better, more important players and more important positions to, to touch on at that point in the draft. John Ledyard, James Rapine with you. Locked on crossover. John hosts Locked on Steelers. I'm host of uh, Locked on Bengals. And we're going to get back to uh, talking about this rivalry Sunday's matchup in just a second. But first, a word from my bookie. Because where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on in mybookie.ag. You heard John earlier in this podcast. It's it's a lot of it's fun, it's easy and, and they've been in the business for years. 100% cash bonuses off the bat. John, I hit on a three-team parlay had my uh, a couple weeks ago, had my uh the, the cash. It, it was two days, two business days. So by Wednesday, I, I could spend money on on whatever the hell I wanted to. Um, so make sure you try out my bookie. Uh, I'm only going to recommend. We would only recommend it if we've tried it, right? I mean, that's how we work right. here on Locked On. So both of us have used it. You win, they pay. They have in-game betting, live betting. You join now. My bookie's going to match your deposit with up to a hundred percent bonus. It's interesting today since it's a crossover. We have two different yeah. promo codes for you. <laughs> if you normally listen to Locked On Bengals, use L O Bengals as the promo code. And, and John, what's your promo code? Yeah, for locked on for locked on Steelers fans, if you if you typically listen to it, it's locked on as the as the promo code, just one word, locked on, to activate that offer at mybookie.ag. Yeah, so so check it out, locked on and L O Bengals are the promo codes. You play, you win, you get paid with mybookie.ag. John, I, I'll I'll be honest with you, and it's Thursday, you know, midday Thursday. I don't see the Bengals going to Heinz Field and winning. Um, it may, maybe if Ross plays, like, that's the one wild card. Like, maybe they, they throw a slant to him and he takes it to the house or something and it's a big play and a defensive struggle. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, like, I just – I think there's going to be one play where Antonio Brown, like he did last week against Kansas City, or Le'Veon Bell just gets to lose. Even Martavis Bryant, who hasn't done much in recent weeks. I just think it's that kind of week where the Steelers are going to make one or two more plays and that will be the difference. Yeah, the Steelers have won seven of the last eight, I think, in this matchup. Uh, I think that's uh, that's counting the playoff matchup. Yeah, that's counting the playoff matchup. The, the one the Bengals did win was at, in Pittsburgh um, in 2015, and Ben self-destructed late in that game. The Steelers kind of dominated most of that game, but, again, it didn't show up on the scoreboard, and so the Bengals ended up pulling out when Ben Roethlisberger made a couple late mistakes. It wasn't dissimilar from the Jacksonville game, I think, other than the fact that the Bengals didn't run them back for scores, I think, but they put the offense, which hadn't moved the ball well all game, uh, in good positions to be able to score. So I look at that, and I know it's a couple years ago, but I look at this game and I think if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't self-destruct, I think Pittsburgh has a great chance to win this football game. Having said that, Le'Veon Bell hasn't had his best games against the Bengals. And in fact, as I was talking on the podcast the other day on Lockdown Steelers yesterday, the 
Steelers really haven't played that well against the Bengals. They've just won the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think a lot of it has been the Bengals self-destructing in these games. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about that, obviously, in the playoff game. You know, but even last year in the regular season, one of the matchups that they had, I think it was the one in Cincinnati, you know, Pittsburgh didn't really play well in that football game, and the Bengals just kind of gave it away. And so you just think if the Bengals could ever figure that part out, the emotional part and the self-control part out a little bit, then I think that they, you know, have. I think the record, the recent record of the Steelers winning seven of eight, is not necessarily indicative of the Steelers just dominating every second of all the games that they've played. Um, you know, even at home last year, the Steelers were, I think, clearly the better team in Pittsburgh, and I was at that game covering it. But it just didn't really reflect like that on the scoreboard. And it ended 24-16, but it never really even felt that close. And, and so Pittsburgh just didn't finish and really put Cincinnati away. And the Steelers have often been criticized of that with teams that they're more talented of. They just let them hang around, and sometimes it bites them, and they lose those games. And at the very least, they're close when they should be. So I do expect a close game, even though I think you're right. Pittsburgh is the more talented team. But I do expect a close game. I don't expect Cincinnati to be able to run the football very well, but – whether Pittsburgh can run the football may be the key. If Pittsburgh's running the football extremely well, as well as they did last week against Kansas City, I think the game could turn into a blowout. I just don't expect that to happen. I think Cincinnati's pretty decent against the run. I think they're going to be stout in that way. I think they'll get to Ben Roethlisberger enough to put Steelers in in some negative situations. I think we'll see a sack or two. Steelers are banged up on the offensive line, maybe without Marcus Gilbert and Ramon Foster this week. And B.J. Finney and Chris Hubbard have played well, but I think the Bengals are the one biggest difference between this team and and past teams uh, in a good way is that they can get to the quarterback with a number of guys. And I think that they have a better pass rushing group than they've had in the past. And So I think the Steelers' offense will stay frustrated for at least another week. Uh, Maybe it catches fire against the maybe the bye week uh, after the bye week we'll see what happens but I think the offense stays frustrated for another week I think like you said it is probably a defensive battle but um, I, I do think that this is an ugly game and Cincinnati will hang around in this game and if Ben makes a mistake late then I think the Bengals have a chance to pull it out I, I'm going with Pittsburgh to pick them to win but uh, I do think it will be one of those games where the Steelers still don't really assert their dominance because based on the history between these two teams recently, Steelers haven't really been as dominant as the record would indicate. Yeah, I, I think we're in agreement. I think it's going to be a defensive struggle. I think the Bengals are much improved on defense and, and with the, the Steelers kind of sluggish on offense, at least by their standards. I, I think it's going to come down to two things. One, can Carl Lawson and the rest of the, the young pass rush, Jordan Willis and others, exert their dominance some? And obviously, Vontez Burfecht, Geno Atkins, other players on that Bengals defense. And two, can Andy Dalton find a way to make plays? Uh, you mentioned the, the, the Steelers kind of, or the Bengals shooting themselves in the foot. I, I can't remember the, the last time, if there's even been a time, where Andy Dalton just had one of his really good games against the Steelers. I, I don't know if he's had one. I know he's beaten the Steelers before. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever thrown, you know, 250, three touchdowns, no picks. And he's not going to have to do that Sunday to win, but I think he's going to have to have zero turnovers. And I think he's going to have to be able to to make the the necessary plays. And I don't know, I don't know with that speed, with the the improved secondary, obviously the Pittsburgh's going to take away the run game just naturally almost, Mm -hmm. and they're going to try to take away A.J. Green. So that's why it was so important for me for, to see Ross out there. If he's not out there, I don't think Brandon LaFell is going to win you a game at Heinz Field. I don't think you know, Josh Malone, who hasn't been active yet, could be active this week with Boyd injured, especially if uh, John Ross doesn't play. I don't think Josh Malone is winning you a game at Heinz Field. So that's the concern. It's not like there's Eifert out there either. Uh, so to me, it's like, well, if you don't get it to green and you can't run the ball, 
What are you going to do on offense if John Ross isn't out there? Yeah, right. Yeah, and Dalton's last four games against Pittsburgh, actually, he's thrown two touchdowns and four interceptions, and he hasn't been over 60% completion percentage. And in in the last two, he was actually below 60% completion percentage. So, yeah, it has not been his best games. Um, And even when he's played a little bit better in terms of completion percentage, he's thrown a good number of picks. So, yeah, it hasn't been his best. But, again, it kind of goes back to, and I think it reinforces what you were saying, if you look at this game, Antonio Brown hasn't had his best games against the Bengals, other than in the playoffs last year where he did have a really good game. But in the regular season, has not had good games against the Bengals for like the last four or five. You know, Le'Veon Bell's last really strong game against the Bengals came back in 2014 in that 42-21 to victory. Um, and I only remember that game distinctly because my wife and I were coming back from our honeymoon and we were flying in, and our flight was like we're getting through customs and everything like that. We're trying to you know, get in and see what the score is, and we we reached our seats right as Martavis Bryant took that long touchdown. Um, we reached somewhere where we could see a TV right as, as he scored that long touchdown, and so we watched the rest of the game. And Le'Veon Bell kind of went off late in that game, and it was it was a 42-21 victory for Pittsburgh. But that was the first matchup in 2000. That was Week 13 in 2014. That's the last time Le'Veon Bell I think ran for 100 yards against these guys, and I know he's been banged up for a couple of their matchups as well. So. But all that goes to say that the star players in this game haven't really been stars. A.J. Green's actually probably had the best output of all the stars in this game. He wasn't great last year against the Steelers. He missed the second game and wasn't great in the first game. Um, but before that, he had a lot of success. I think in that game, actually, that 42-21 game, he went off for over 200 yards receiving, I think. And I think that was one of Ike Taylor's last games for Pittsburgh uh-huh. uh, getting roasted <laughs> in that game. But, um, yeah, it was so the, the, yeah, you said it. I think it, everything about this matchup points to a, a – teen score or a 20 score where the defenses give some short fields or you know something like that happens because it hasn't been Antonio Brown or anybody that's run the ball for the Bengals or Le'Veon Bell or Ben Roethlisberger or Andy Dalton or even late really lately AJ Green's best games haven't come in that so either some the, the norm gets bucked by one of those guys and the game breaks open because of that because one of those guys figures it out because I think these two teams know each other they know how to take away each other's strengths really well they have the players to be able to do it they play with the edge and the physicality to be able to do it and so I don't think either offense really gets established when these two teams play. Um, I think it ends up being kind of a, a muddy game. And for whatever reason, it comes down to who makes the, who makes the big mistake in these games. And it's been the Bengals with mental mistakes a lot of the time uh, that have done it. But then, you know, and, and you think about the turnover of Jeremy Hill and the playoffs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And where it's been Ben Roethlisberger, like I said, the one time the Bengals got the win because Ben Roethlisberger kind of self-destructed and threw three picks. So to me, who makes the big mistakes on Sunday, that's going to be the team that loses. Yeah, I, I I was looking at my bookie uh, a second ago, and it was minus five and a half right now is the spread. So I'm gonna I'll take. Uh, I think the Bengals will cover the spread. I think it'll be 26 to yeah. Pittsburgh. You'll see five field goals between the two teams, and uh, Pittsburgh <laughs> just makes you know one one final play or two, or or maybe it's just a first down late to to prevent Andy from getting the ball back. That, that's just how I see it. I, I it sounds like yeah. we're, we're pretty close in agreement. Yeah, no, I think we are. I think we 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 both seen how this matchup goes uh, throughout the last several years. We've seen how, even though Pittsburgh does end up on the favorable side of the scoreboard a lot, I don't think, I don't think when you look inside the results, I think it's been a couple things here or there that makes it happen. They just happen to go Pittsburgh's way a lot of these times, and, and I think that it could easily break Cincinnati's way. It's not like they've dominated and just you know Cincinnati can't solve Pittsburgh. It's less of that and more of the mistakes. And so whoever makes those, I think they'll come out the loser in this game. John, before uh, before I let you go, before we go here on the Locked On crossover, let your your listeners know on, on Locked On Steelers anything that you need to let them know, news, notes, etc. Yeah, we'll be back Monday. We'll talk about this game, break it down in depth. 
our early Monday morning. I should have a pod dropping for you guys. And then uh, we'll look at the All-22, get another guest on here, preview that Lions game, and then get ready for some bye week content. Uh, that'll be pretty interesting, too. So lots of fun stuff coming up on Locked On Steelers, you guys. Make sure you keep tuning in throughout the week. Yeah, definitely tune into that. Tomorrow, I hopefully will have a podcast for you tomorrow. Usually I, I, I don't have one on Fridays, but I'm going to try to get one for you guys tomorrow, mm-hmm. Locked On Bengals fans. Uh, check out LockedOnBengals.com. There's a ton there, um, including news and notes about how Joe Mixon could maybe run the ball a little bit against the Steelers, even though the offensive line sucks. So, uh, John, don't rain on that parade. <laughs> and, uh, no, man, th- this was fun. This was fun. It, it, yeah. you, we, we talked during draft time. I'm sure I'll, I'll bother you again. But uh, we, we can talk again when uh, when the Steelers come to, to Ball Brown Stadium. Absolutely, my man. I'm looking forward to it. Always a good time talking with you, James. All right, thank you guys for listening on Locked On Bengals and Locked On Steelers. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.